Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. Now we're in a series entitled The Gods, and uh, we're kind of talking about some of the more notable gods here in the 21st century. The first two of the Ten Commandments, interestingly enough, and how many times have we said the Ten Commandments? We haven't really stopped to consider what it is they're really saying, but the first two actually address this idea. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 3, the first of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. Why would God say no other gods if there were no other gods? The reality is there are. There were plenty of them. And the gods in the early days were actually generally divided into three categories. There, were, uh, there was a national god, there was a family god, there was a personal god. And even the Israelites kind of found themselves meandering into the worship and the idol of other gods. And, um, and so today we might say it like this. We have our Sunday god, right, our weekend god, we go to church, and then we have our our God of our job, our career God that kind of drives us. And then we have our recreational God, you know, the things that actually get the better part of our hearts. And so in this series, we're actually spending time talking about what those gods are like. The second commandment actually really deals with the same thing. You shall not make for yourself an idol, any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water that is under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them, for I, the Lord, your God am a jealous God. Now, I haven't really touched on that in this series yet, but let me say how important that last statement is. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, I don't want to just be first, I want to be all. I, in other words, I want to exclusively be the one you love, that you serve, and that you worship. It would be like me saying to my wife, listen, I am all in on our marriage. I fully love you, and I'm going to give you all of my heart for 364 days of the year. But one day of the year, I'm going to exclusively give my heart to another. I'm going to choose to actually pursue another love. But listen, you got 364 days of my heart. How many of you think I'd end up in divorce court? I suspect that's where I'd probably be, right? Because no spouse wants to share the love of their spouse. That's what God's saying. I want want all of your heart because I am jealous for your love. Joshua, who was tasked with following Moses in leading the children of Israel after a 40-day journey through the wilderness, leads them into the promised land. When they get there, they discover that there are all sorts of gods and idols that are being worshipped, and he stands before the people, and here's what it says in Joshua 24. He says, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what these families have said today. As for me and my household, we're going to put God first in the life of our family. Hundreds of years later, Paul, as he's on a church planning mission, actually goes to the ancient city of Greece, to the ancient city of Athens in Greece. And there he discovers the very same thing, that the place is littered with all sorts of idols. And here's what it says. 
in Acts chapter 17. Then Paul stood before the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I can see you're very religious in all things. As I was going through your city, I saw the objects you worship. I found an altar that had these words written on it, To a God who is not known. You worship a God you don't know, and it is this God that I'm telling you about. So just like the Athenians had gods that had names and some that were unidentified, what we're doing in this series is we're putting a name. We're actually identifying some of the more prominent, significant gods of the 21st century. And we've talked about two already. The God of self. The God of self that is all about deflecting attention and removing the focus off of God and putting it on to oneself. The God of self is all about being in the spotlight. The God of self is all about being the center of attention. And then last weekend we talked about the God of greed, where Jesus actually personifies greed as a God and says, you cannot serve both God and money. He's not talking there about money being evil. What he's saying is that when we actually make money our God and and greed begins to drive our decisions, it takes the place of the leadership of Jesus in our hearts. And so the God of greed whispers two primary things. It whispers more, 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 and it whispers mine, 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 all mine. So if you missed either of those weekends, I encourage you to check out our podcast. This weekend we come to our third God. And for this third God, I'm inviting someone to come today who actually is speaking from a perspective of not just a follower of Jesus Christ, not just one who is fully in love with God and struggles with that battle too of putting God first, but one who actually identifies with you being moms that are here today. The person on our ministry staff who fills that bill is Ashley Bertram. Ashley serves here at our church as our administrator and also as our children's ministry director. But there's two things you may not know about Ashley Bertram. Some of you know this, but some of you don't, that Ashley's my daughter. She's my firstborn daughter. So biologically, right, uh, she's connected to the family. But here's the reality. I'm always standing up here, and I'm telling stories about my family, and I'm telling stories about my kids, and I'm really nervous this morning. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit anxious right now, okay? So pray for me. Um, the second thing you may not know about Ashley is that Ashley uh, is an ordained minister. Ashley, following uh, getting two degrees, both ministry-related degrees, served in two different churches on their pastoral staff, and before coming here to this church, that was her job, and now she's a mom, and she's kind of uh, put that a little bit somewhat on the back burner, but I, you know what? I, I, I want to validate this morning that she is called by God, and she has a word that the Lord has given her today that's not just for our moms, but it's for all of us in this auditorium, and I texted her last night, and I said, I'm so excited to receive from you today. And so I want you to just put your hands together. Would you welcome Ashley Bertram as she comes to share this morning? Thanks, Daddy. (laughs) No, I feel honored to be able to speak to all of you guys today on a day like Mother's Day. And I have a great example for Mother. She sat through me the first service. She's here again, ready to take notes for a second time on her daughter's sermon. So if you don't know my mom, Kelly, she is an amazing example. Um, But what kind of mom would I be if I was up here with these two huge screens and I didn't share some pictures of my adorable son, Malachi, with you? So um, this is Malachi at his first Easter egg hunt. 
restaurant a couple of weeks ago, got some eggs. We found them for him, but, you know, he liked to, he wanted to eat the egg, not actually what was inside. This is him at five months. Um, I've been trying to do like a monthly, you know, picture with him. We haven't done six months yet. He's almost seven months, but that kind of relates to what I'm talking about today. So anyway, here he is at five months. And then here he is with me about one month old. This is how I hold him at home, you know, all the time. Very natural kind of position that we like to be in. But these photos are all photos that you share, right? They're all photos of us looking blissfully happy and cute and good lighting and all that stuff. So you post these pictures on Facebook and Twitter. You send them to grandma and grandpa, right? But there are there are parts of all of our lives that we don't post, right? We don't put them on Facebook or Twitter. We don't really want people to uh, think about us in this way. So let's juxtapose this picture with uh, this video that's coming up. You think he's gonna stop, he doesn't. This goes on for like two more minutes, so I won't, um, you know, torture you guys with that. Any guy's skin crawling right now? You guys, I know for my husband, that is like his least favorite sound in the entire world. And moms too, right? We don't like hearing that. And for me, when I watch that video, when I think about being in that moment, it makes me feel completely out of control. And I don't like being out of control. I like having everything in place. I like, you know, knowing the next thing that's going to happen. I like feeling like I'm doing a good job, right? Well, today, as we're continuing our series, The Gods, I want to introduce you to a God that I struggle most to dethrone in my own life. And this is the God of perfectionism. So hopefully some of you guys will relate. And I'm not just talking about like OCD perfectionism keeps people locked up in a padded room, you know, just arranging everything by length or counting tiles and stuff like that. I'm talking about, you know, just everyday perfectionism. Although I do have some people in my family that are a little perfectionist. I have one person who arranges their entire closet by color and someone else who arranges all their coins on their bedside table by size, but I won't tell you who they are. You can use your imagination. Uh, But do I have any fellow perfectionists here at Grace Crossing with me today? Okay, good. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, I know you don't want us to know your flaws, so you kept your hand down. I understand. I understand. But if you've been a part of this series so far, we're going to go back and look at those verses that we've been talking about each and every week found in Colossians 3. And so today we're going to be looking at verses 2 and verse 5. So this is what it says. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. So today I want to unpack verse 5 there a little bit where we are talking about evil desires. So the word for desire here is it means to be in an unsatisfied state. So as humans, don't you think that we're normally kind of in an unsatisfied state? We're always trying to get to that next best thing. We're trying to better ourselves, make things better. We want to go farther in our job. You know, we could look a little bit better. Our house could be nicer. Our kids could know more or be nicer, right? We, we always want things to be more perfect. But this word desire is about that, but it also 
carries with it the connotation of like a craving that could ultimately displace God. And so today, I'm not going to tell you to give up all your ambitions and just sit on your couch and be a couch potato. But what I want you to leave with today is a desire to do things better, but not a desire to be perfect by our own power. I want us all to leave here today seeing ourselves like God sees us. So how do we know if our cravings are displacing God and we're serving the God of perfectionism? Well, I think that we can find the key to that if we look again at verse 2. It says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And that idea of setting your mind on something means to dwell on it. So I'm going to ask you this question today, and I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I dwell on? What keeps me up at night? Like we asked ourselves in week one of the series, we said, what do I daydream about? I want you guys to think about that. And if we are honest, maybe we're not always thinking about serving God or doing that to the best of our ability. So each of us, including myself, needs to reevaluate what our minds are set on and dethrone this God of perfectionism. But to do this, I think we need to learn a little bit more about this God. And I believe that this God of perfectionism has two arms. So the first arm that we're going to talk about is the need for control. And so I know I'm not just talking to the ladies anymore, right, guys? Any guys? control freaks out there. But I like to control things. And so in my life, uh, a few years after Josh and I were married, we felt like things were going along pretty well. We had our degrees, you know, we were very committed to each other. We had good jobs. And so we thought, you know, what's the next step in our life? What can make our life more perfect? Well, having a child, you know, so we prayed and we talked about it. And when we found out we were pregnant, we were so excited. We just thought this is going to be the icing on the cake, having a kid. Little did I know that on October 20th, 2013, my beautiful son would come into this world and take my cake and knock it on the floor, set it on fire and throw it out the window. (laughs) It was not the icing on the cake that I had envisioned. He turned our lives completely upside down. But here's what I'm learning, and here's what I want you guys to think about today. When God is on the throne, his priorities become our priorities. And so if we look here where it says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, that's what I have to remind myself of all the time. So for me, this might mean that the laundry is not always folded or put away. And if you come to my house unannounced, I'll probably have a big pile of laundry on the couch so that it's there and I can force myself to do it, but then I never do. Um, And for me, this also might mean that I have to call my husband to pick out pick uh, takeout for us on the way home because I didn't get dinner done because I was caring for our son. But when I look at that, I think, okay, you know what? Those are just earthly things, right? Caring for my son, investing in godly relationships. Those are the things that are eternal. Those are the things that are going to carry on even past this earthly life. So here's what I'm learning that I'm going to tell you, and uh, it's pretty catchy. And some of you guys have heard it so beautifully sung in the song Frozen by Elsa, but let it go, right? (laughs) Let it go. If there are things that are just making us feel like we need to control them, we need to let it go. Because if we give in to our obsessive need to control things, 
those things might end up controlling us. This God of perfectionism is going to end up controlling us. So just let it go. So that's the first arm of perfectionism, the need for control. But the second arm of perfectionism, I believe, is the need for approval. Now, this part of perfectionism deals with our desire to um, be recognized and praised by other people, right? It also concerns uh, how we compare ourselves to other people. I know we all do this, right? We, we look at them and we say, well, their family looks perfect, right? Why can't my family be perfect? And we try to get that approval. And many of us work tireless hours and wear ourselves out to gain this approval, And uh, it's very cool because Paul, who wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, addressed this issue. And he wrote a letter to another church that was in Galatia. And uh, this is what he says about this issue in Galatians 1.10. He says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So despite that hard challenge that he says, right, trying not to please people anymore, there's something in there that makes me feel a little bit better. And it's that word in that last sentence that says, still. That means that Paul used to try to please people, right? So it was something that he was working on as well. And the really cool thing about Paul is that we not only have these, these letters that he wrote to churches that we have in the New Testament, But we actually have his story of how he came to Christ in the book of Acts in the Bible. And if you read the story, you find out that Paul was on the fast track to becoming in the top rung of the Jewish rabbinic leadership. And uh, his entire career was designed not only just to justify himself before God, but to gain the favor of those others who were in power. And if, in, if you continue on reading the story, you'll find that during that time of Paul's life, he was trying to justify himself before God, but he wasn't following Christ. He was actually coming against the Christians of that time and trying to destroy the church. And we learn about that, but then we also learn about how Jesus came and appeared to him when he was on his way to a city called Damascus, and Jesus changed his life forever, and he began to follow Christ. So in Galatians 1.10... Paul is actually talking about doing ministry to gain the approval of people. We can actually do good things for the wrong reasons. Now, I'm not telling you guys to all turn around and go quit your ministry involvement right now, because if you did that, I might have a heart attack, so please don't do that. But what I'm trying to say is that when we do these things for God, whether it be serving or ministry or anything like that, we need to do it ultimately first and foremost for God, not for other people. So let's look at another verse in Colossians 3. This is Colossians, Colossians three seventeen. It says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So if you're serving somewhere or you're doing your job or you're managing your household and it's not done first and foremost for God the Father, then it's time to dethrone our perfectionist nature, right, and put God back on the throne. The God of perfectionism will always draw us to seek the approval of people before God. And a lot of times we don't have the energy to do everything right. So we make mistakes, or we mess up, and what do we do? We still want to look perfect. So the only way to do that is to put on a mask. 
Now, I, like many women probably out there, wear a mask every single day. It's called makeup. So I have to put that mask on before I leave the house, or I don't really feel like I'm ready to take on the day. It's like putting on shoes or putting on earrings, which maybe is another issue that I have. I have to have my makeup and my earrings. And so um, the application of my makeup is directly proportional to how prepared I feel for the day. So if I feel like I look good, then I'm ready to take on the day. If it's not so hot, I'm probably a little bit more reserved. And one day I had a lot of stuff to do. I had meetings. I had to go to the store and pick up stuff, all while juggling, taking care of my son. And I was running around doing all these things, getting everything taken care of. And I felt like the meetings went really well. And I got everything on my list. And my son was still alive and somewhat happy. And so that was good. So I felt great on top of the world until I came home. And when I came home, I looked in the mirror, and to my horror, I realized that I had gone the entire day without any makeup on. I forgot to put on my makeup before I left the house, and it was very strange because I called my sister and I said, okay, this is embarrassing because all day I was acting like I had makeup on. I thought I was acting, like, really confident and, like, you know, people should take care of me and all this stuff. I, I, I thought I had makeup on. When I got home, I realized, okay, so that, that's how I perceived myself, right? And my perspective changed, so my attitude changed. I thought I had makeup on. I had a better attitude. And maybe our mask isn't makeup, but maybe we put on other masks, right? The mask of everything is okay, Or the mask of, I can handle it all on my own. Or the mask of, maybe I'm better than some other people. But how can we change our perspective so that we see ourselves without the mask, but in the way that God sees us? Instead of a mask, I'm going to say today that we need to put on love. And we find this in Colossians 3, 12 through 14. So if Colossians 3, 1 through 5 tells us how not to live, Then Colossians 3, 12 through 14 tells us how to live. And it says this. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Now, this word perfect is kind of the opposite of the word that we talked about before, about that word of desire, right? This word perfect means a state of being complete without defect or blemish. The God of perfectionism will run us ragged trying to have all these things by our own power, trying to have compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those things are all good things, but we can't do them just out of our own power. It's too hard. So I want you guys to think about what mask do you put on instead of putting on love? What mask do you have that hides maybe how you really see yourself? Maybe there's an insecurity there that when you look at yourself, you see someone. So you have to put on this mask. But how today can we put on love? How is God seeing us, right? Through the lens of love. And putting on God's love is going to allow us to see ourselves as God sees us and strive for perfection in the way that God calls us to be perfect. No matter how hard we try, We're not going to be able to get there on our own without God's spirit living in us and helping us. I want you guys to take a look at your own life today. Mothers, non-mothers, everyone in this room. Maybe you've never let God into your life. 
Today, I want to encourage you to invite him in. He wants to be invited in, not just as a part of your life, but as the leader of your life, as being in charge and the one that you look to for direction. Maybe God is in your life, but you're always struggling to keep him on the throne, to remove that God of self, maybe that God of greed or the God of perfectionism. Today, if you're struggling with the God of perfectionism, I want to encourage you to remember the two things that we talked about that you can do. You can give up your need for control by letting it go and give up your need for approval by putting on love. And as we're striving for a better, a more manageable, a more attractive life, let's remember the reason why we're living this life, the reason why we've been given this life by God, right? To do it all for the honor and the glory of him. Today we're going to end with this song that's become the theme song for our series, and it's called Jesus at the Center. So today, let's pray that Jesus would be the center of everything that we do. That as we strive to be better, not just for ourselves, not just so we have control, not just so we get approval, but that we would strive to be better to glorify him and to bring him honor and to bring him glory. So would you pray with me today? And then we're going to sing this song together. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you sent it down to us so that we can have instructions on how to live. But God, more than that, that we can have the knowledge of your love that you have for us. And God, we just thank you so much for that love. Lord, for every person here who feels broken, feels maybe even unwanted, dirty, not enough, God, I just pray that your love, God, would just come to each person here today. God, that you would wrap your arms around us and share with us how much you love us. And God, that in return for that love, God, not because we have to, but because we love you back, I pray that we would just strive to glorify you every single day and that we would put you at the center of our lives. And God, I pray that this song would be our prayer. And Jesus, that we would put you at the center. We pray this all in your holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.